1: Amen. Oh, man, thank you so much, musicians. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Dr. Garber, you remember uh, recording that one in uh, the studio a few years ago? Two years <laughs> <laughs> The earth's crust was still cooling. Yeah, <laughs> you said the earth's crust was still cooling. That's true. I remember when Dr. Garber and I, uh, along with, the, you know, Dr. Garber, I was actually uh, uh, texting the last couple of days with Dr. Rick. Down in Florida and just kind of catching up with him and uh, seeing how he's doing. I tell you what, uh, the old days. And of course, you know, Renee was there for Yom Kippur. I love it, the old Nagila. Uh, and I'm talking about the old Nagila, the, the the newer Nagila, which is still the old Nagila. Uh, <laughs> Kevin and Phil, uh, I'm talking about before before that Nagila, the the original, the OG Nagila. I guess you could call us. Uh, back then, and I was just a kid. And by, sometimes people say, oh, yeah, you know, the the, the pastor or rabbi says, yo oh, yeah, I was a kid. And we're going ha ha ha. ha. A, no, I really was a kid. I was a little kid. You have to understand that in those days, the Messianic movement, Nagila was probably, uh, in fact, not probably, Nagila was the third kind of most known band in the Messianic movement, came from Beth Uh just behind Lamb and Israel's Hope uh, was really it. And uh, And we, produced a, a couple of recordings, you know, studio recordings that were uh, at that time, I mean, huge sellers in the Messianic movement, which didn't mean much, but but it was because <laughs> the Messianic movement was so small. But I remember when we recorded that uh, on We Will Rejoice, uh, that one of the first Messianic recordings ever, studio recordings, uh, and it was such a blessing. And And like I said, I was just a a kid, Dr. Garber, wasn't much older. He was older, but not much older. And so uh, we, were, we had a great time, though, uh, doing all that, and that was such a blessing. And mm, those were wonderful pioneering days in the Messianic Jewish movement when the closest congregations to Beth Hillel were Fort Lauderdale and Washington, D.C. Those were the two closest Messianic congregations to us back in those days. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and so uh, in any case, uh, the Lord has blessed uh, and the Lord is good. Amen. Yes. Acts chapter eight, which, which actually kind of relates to the first thing we're going to be talking about, which is persecution. Uh, our, our, I remember in those early days. Dr. Garbo will remember those early days. You know, we, we, we had a lot of encouragement from people. We sure did. I mean, I remember people told my, my, my folks, it's, it'll never work. <laughs> Messianic Judaism, you got no chance. Come on, you know, it's, you're, you're trying to put up a middle wall of partition and, uh, and you don't want to go back under the law. It's, it's not about that. It's a total misunderstanding uh, of the, the, the integration. Uh, and, and yes, Yeshua is the mediator of a better covenant, but it does not eliminate the old covenant. They, they coexist uh, in a beautiful way and uh, the abrahamic covenant the mosaic covenant etc uh, and so it's just such a blessing but man we there was plenty of persecution then. people you know of course the uh, uh, many in the traditional jewish community had not heard of messianic judaism i mean we hadn't been around much and you know a little over whatever 1800 years <laughs> and so you can understand initially and, uh, and so we received some persecution on that side. And then many, so the, the the many people in the in the uh, believing community didn't understand us uh, and what we were trying to do. And so they were also very, so it was really hard back in those early days. There was a lot of persecution. You know, when, when you when you stand for what's right, sometimes there is persecution. You know that. That's, that's part of it, uh, sadly, is that sometimes you've got to stand up for what's right regardless. And such is the case in Acts chapter 8. Uh, we know that early on in the Messianic Jewish movement, Stephen, the shamash, was executed. I have some of our shamashim here in the second row. We're going to keep them very safe here. All right. Uh, and there was someone there that day who was actually part of the execution, and I want for us to read a little bit in Acts chapter 8 about this story of Stephen, the Shamash. Uh, and, and he was, he was uh, in the process of being executed, he was being stoned. Uh, and he was preaching the good news, but, but, we hear, but we hear about somebody else who was there, which is what I want to focus on today. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Now, Saul, that's Saul, who's, who's also known by Paul. Now Saul was in agreement with Stephen's execution. And on that day, a great persecution arose against the Messianic community in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, which is the modern day, what's referred to commonly as a West Bank, but it's uh, 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 that part of the the Judean and Samarian community there, except for the emissaries. Verse 2. Some devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul was destroying the Messiah's community, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He was throwing them into prison. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on now. Here, this is—is is this the the Saul that we know? Is this is this Paul? Is this Saul? Is, Yes, yes it is, you know, it's, it's Sha'ul, or some people refer to him as Pa'ul. No, I'm just kidding, he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rabbi Sha'ul, Paul the Shaliach, Paul the great man who, who scribed the majority of the new covenant, and yet, wow, he was a bad person. I mean, a profoundly bad news. This is bad news, dude. So much so that what, what what happened? I mean, it says that when Stephen was stoned, there was Saul nodding his approval. He was, although he was younger, he was one of the leaders, and he was one of the most uh, zealous of the religious leadership of the day, the traditional Jewish leadership. He was incredibly Uh, radical. And he was radical against the Messianic Jews. Very, very radicalized against Messianic Jews. So much so that what? He was part of murder and execution of Messianic Jews, of imprisonment, of torture. This guy was not nice. He was not a nice person. A few days ago, we had Yom Kippur. You all know that, of course. <laughs> I told you that this message today was kind of like part two of my Yom Kippur Day message, which was Crocodile Tears. I hope that you uh, enjoyed that one. But, and, and it really is. We had Yom Kippur just a few days ago, the Day of Atonement. And on this day, on the day of Yom Kippur, we remember how our sins are atoned for. We recall the mercy of God... Through the forgiveness obtained by the blood of the Messiah. And Yom Kippur is a weighty day for sure. It's very weighty, it's very heavy, it's very intense. And understandably and rightly so, because we all recognize that we are otherwise burdened with the weight of our sins. Only through the Messiah is there atonement, is there that forgiveness, is there that redemption. Is there that freedom out of his great love for us, which goes back to the Kol Nidre message? Okay, all of this is fair enough for sure, absolutely. And so if we have Yom Kippur in context, we see it through the lens of love and then our repentance, as we talked about on Yom Kippur Day, is sincere. It's not faux. It's not crocodile tears, but it's sincere. Our repentance is sincere. Okay, so we've gone through Yom Kippur with this atonement that we understand is such a generous gift that we don't deserve from our Messiah Yeshua. Okay, fair enough. But what now? What's next? What's next if we truly get it if If you, beloved, and you watching online, if you truly get it, if you get the value of the grace and mercy that God has given you, the question I have for you today is, what's next? What's next? We've just been reminded of the deliverance from our sin. Now what? What will you do next? Now that you have embraced truly and fully your atonement, your forgiveness. We've had Yom Kippur. What's next? Acts chapter 9, please. Acts chapter 9. Well, Rabbi Shaul, of course, was, a, as I said, a great persecutor of the early Messianic Jews, murderer torturer of them. And his example is one that we can look at to see how he reacts to his salvation. Because very few have had such an encounter with God that Rabbi Shaul, Paul the Sheliach, had. So again, what I want to do for you today is I want to share with you, this is is a a very intentional post-Yom Kippur message where we're looking at the, at the atonement that has been bought for us by our Messiah Yeshua and, and is represented and is symbolic of the Yom Kippur atonement, right? Our, la- our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. No matter what it is that we've come through, no matter how dark our sins are, we all have forgiveness. You, you all have the forgiveness of Messiah Yeshua if you uh, ask, for it, okay, because he's generous with us, and he's good to us, and he's kind to us. Well, now that you have that forgiveness, what's next? What do you do next? What happens next? I'm not talking about, this is not a message just to new believers. This is a message to anybody who recently went through Yom Kippur, if there's anybody here. Okay, if you went through Yom Kippur recently, which, by the way, is everybody, uh, then then this applies to all of us. Why? Because Every year we should be looking anew and remembering our atonement anew. And a way to to illustrate and to look at and to examine what our attitude should be, right, in our hearts is to take a look at somebody who was a world changer, of that there's no question, as to how he reacted to his Yom Kippur, to to how he reacted to his salvation experience. Okay, so let's take a look. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, now Saul, here's the experience, still breathing out threats and murder against the Lord's disciples, went to the Kohen Gadol, he went to the high priest, he requested letters of introduction from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way, haderek, that that's... that's uh, that's code for Messianic Jews, okay? So if he found anybody belonging in a Messianic Jewish congregation, essentially, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Man, so so here is Rabbi Sheol going to Damascus in order to persecute the Messianic Jews there. This is the whole purpose. He, he, he goes to the high priest, man, the, the Kohen Gadol, And he he gets a letter of essentially recommendation and authority from the high priest says, okay, let me go. I want to go to Damascus. We're going to take out these Messianic Jews. We're going to bring them back. We're going to imprison them. We're going to get them off of this stuff. Then as he is traveling, the high priest says, okay, here you go, bud. So there is Saul. There is Paul who's got this, this letter from the high priest on his way to Damascus in order to persecute the Messianic Jews. There he is, getting on his horse or whatever. There he goes. He's headed towards Damascus from Jerusalem. And as he is traveling, something dramatic happens. There's no other word for it. It's an encounter with God. It's an encounter with Yeshua. Let's read in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he was traveling, approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Whoa. Falling to the ground he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Yeshua, whom you are persecuting. Probably want to see that on uh, virtual reality in heaven. That that had to be quite a moment. I've chills right now, even thinking about that. You you imagine that Yeshua appears to you and it ain't it ain't a pleasant Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> he he appears to Saul and says, Saul, Saul, he says his name twice, man. Why are you persecuting me? I mean, you talk about. You know it's, it's, it's from the heavenlies at that point. And then you've just been told that you've been doing something wrong. Really, really, like exactly opposite of what God wants you to do. And uh, man, that is intense. I am Yeshua who you are persecuting. Whew! A powerful moment when Shaul is uh, kind of literally knocked off his horse and is very directly confronted by Yeshua. He falls to the ground. In fact, we we read, uh, if you continue the story, that he was actually struck blind at that point, and given instructions to go on into Damascus. So, so it was such an experience. The light was so was so bright, and uh, and 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 Yeshua it, it blinded him, and and he was blinded, and that the people around him heard heard voice. But, but they didn't understand exactly what was going on. They didn't see it, what, exactly what he they saw. They, they heard it. and, and but, the, but the voice of Yeshua told him, you go ahead and go on to Damascus where you're headed. But there's basically there's something different I got for you there. <laughs> you, you're not going to be on your original task. I, I, I'm, I'm detouring you. Okay, so once they're in Damascus, at that point, God called upon one of the Messianic leaders to go to Shaul in order to speak to him and to allow him to see again, Ananias. Okay, and so the Lord Yeshua speaks to Ananias. God speaks to Ananias and says, "Okay, I want you to go see Sha'ul Paul, and uh, and I want you to talk to him there." And 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 you can imagine Ananias's reaction. Remember Saul's intentions and Saul's reputation. Trust me, all the Messianic Jewish community knew of Saul because he was involved in Stephen's execution. He was known as uh, as like an inquisitor of sorts. And so everybody knew Saul. And so Ananias probably was like, mm-hmm. what? I think that must have been the lasagna I had. That couldn't have been God. <laughs> you got to think that. And sure enough, it's pretty clear he freaked out. Verse 13, Acts nine thirteen. But Ananias answered, "Uh, Lord, (laughs) he's he's debating God a little bit, I've heard from many about this man, (laughs) how much harm he has done to your Kedrashim, your holy ones, in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the ruling Kohanim, the ruling priest, to tie up all who call on your name. In other words, oh God, whoa, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 no. I don't think you understand who you're asking me to go to. This is the bad guy. He's coming after us. He's he's killing us. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a choice instrument to carry my name before nations and kings and Bene Israel, the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake wow wow boy man Whew. god had something in store for Shaul. and so Ananias uh, i'm sure somewhat hesitantly but he was obedient and he went to Shaul. now when he went to Saul i mean Saul at this point is just kind of freaked out a little bit i mean he's just he's just had a, a, a truly uh, an epiphany this this uh, this exposure to Yeshua himself, who speaks to him and 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 essentially strongly corrects him, and uh, but but tells him that he has something for him. So you got to know that, that and he's blind and and he's been being led in, and so his whole world is kind of being shaken at this point. And so the question is, how would Shaul react? How would Shaul react to Ananias? What would happen next? Because, beloved, I want you to think about it because in so many ways, on the way to Damascus, listen, Shaul had Yom Kippur. You you, you get that? Shaul had Yom Kippur. Now, it wasn't literally the Day of Atonement, but for him it was. For him the day he got knocked off his horse, right? That was Yom Kippur for him because it was at that moment that his sins were laid bare and he was held accountable. And and essentially, God's judgment was right up to him, right up to him. And yet God spared him for a purpose. So what would Shaul do? Remember, though, that Shaul was in the traditional Jewish leadership of the day. He was the one who could go to the high priest for a letter. He was in the upper echelon of religious leadership. He was a man of great power. How would he react to this encounter that challenged everything he stood for? Or he thought he stood for. really wasn't against everything he stood for. Acts 19, verse 17. So Ananias left and entered into the house, laying hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Yeshua, the one who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, with the Holy Spirit. Whoa. (laughs) Can you imagine Ananias, when he put his hands on Saul, He's probably like, I gotta imagine he was trembling a little bit. It's like, oh Lord, I hope I got this one right. I'm gonna have this guy see, he's gonna see my face right away. Oh Lord, let him have had a serious come to Yeshua moment. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Okay, but, but he was obedient. Okay. Immediately, verse 18 immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up. And was immersed. And when he had taken food, he was strengthened. Now for several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. So he spent time with the other believers there. And then verse 20 is the key. First word. Immediately, he began proclaiming Yeshua in the synagogues, saying, he is the son of God. He is the Son of God, Ben Elohim. Wow! Immediately, immediately he became, he began proclaiming Yeshua. What a transformation! What a dramatic change. He is proclaiming Yeshua in the synagogue, saying, Yes, my Jewish brother and sister, Yeshua is indeed the promised. Jewish Messiah that we've been waiting for for generations. David spoke of this guy. It's Yeshua, he is the promised Jewish Messiah. He is the one. Immediately, boldly, passionately. In fact, it was it was such a dramatic transformation. The other messianic Jewish disciples were very suspect of him and afraid of him there's no other word for it they were afraid because they were like whoa 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 what's going on here what's this guy is this hey pete is this guy for real that's what they called peter by the way he was nicknamed pete uh you got to look really hard in the greek <laughs> pete seriously is this guy for real i mean what what's his agenda you know, they thought a lot of things for sure. They, maybe they thought, is he just trying to get in with us so he finds out all about us like a spy? And then he's going to turn us all in. I mean, they, they, this is what they were thinking. It's crystal clear. Why? Verse 21, we, 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 we read about this. All those hearing him were amazed. They were saying, Isn't this the one who made havoc in Jerusalem for all those who call in his name? And hasn't he come here to bring them as prisoners before the ruling Kohanim? So they were like baffled. Say, what is going on here with this guy? Verse 22, but Saul kept growing stronger and he was confounding the Jewish people living in Damascus by proving that Yeshua is the Messiah. Woo, boy. So he was I mean remember he was as learned as any Jewish scholar in the world at the time. And so when when he was doing his debates he could beat them all. And he was proving to them according to the scriptures and all, Yeshua is the promised Messiah. And 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 and, and he was convincing people and and the other believers were like, "Whoa, I guess this is true." And and, and, uh, and, and we know even when he went to Jerusalem, the believers there were freaking like, hold on, we don't know if we want to even meet with this guy. They, they, for a while, they didn't even meet with him. And finally, Barnabas met with him and, and brought him kind of in. But, 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 they were a, but yet, you can't deny what was happening, which was revival was happening. Revival was happening amongst the Jewish people through Paul, through Shaul, Because he was convincing them that Yeshua was the Messiah. And so, what happened, of course, at that point, then, because it threatened the the established power base, they threatened to kill Paul. (laughs) Not the believers, I'm talking about the traditional religious leaders, then threatened to kill Paul, Shaul. Friends, you have to understand that Shaul had a lot to lose if this wasn't real. He had a lot to lose. He was a wealthy man of great respect, of great influence. He was taught by Rabbi Gamaliel, okay? Rabbi Gamaliel, who is known as a great sage within Judaism even today. Even today, Rabbi Gamaliel is known as a great sage within Judaism. If you go to any yeshiva, they will study Rabbi Gamaliel, and he was, according to the scripture, it says it explicitly, he was one of Paul's teachers. He was one of Shaul's teachers. He's regarded as one of the greatest of Chazal of, of, there is in, in traditional Jew, even today, if you go to an Orthodox, he is known, or rather he had to know that making this change could cost him his life in addition to everything else that went along with it that he had the power the prestige the 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 imprimatur of the of the of the high religious class he had felt so self-righteous by doing what he thought was right all of this could cost him into a a ragtag tiny messianic Jewish movement that was kind of like Dr. Garber and I wa- were in back uh, in the days when we recorded that song at the studio, praise the Lord together See, there were there were the, the closest congregations were forever from okay there was there was lots of, that's he was giving up that for that. How, why would you even do such a thing? It makes no sense logically, my friends, none at all, but he did not care. He did not care. This was his reaction to his own Yom Kippur day. This was his reaction to Messiah Yeshua, revealing himself to him and forgiving him of his sins. Him having forgiveness, his Yom Kippur, his day of atonement. This was his reaction. He proclaimed the good news of Yeshua to all who would hear him. Immediately he starts proclaiming Yeshua to anybody who would listen. Yeshua is Ben Elohim. Yeshua is Ben Elohim. Yeshua is the son of God. Friends, we just had Yom Kippur. You just finished your fast. what a day or a couple days ago, a day or two ago, right? You too have soaked in the understanding that your sins are forgiven. We talked about that and and if you truly made a repentance, which we spoke about on Yom Kippur, now you know your sins are forgiven. Now you may not have had the rap sheet that, that Shaul had <laughs> I mean, he had a big rap sheet, man. He had done a lot of bad stuff. Fair enough. But everybody has erred. All of us have erred. Everybody's made mistakes. Nobody here is perfect. All of us have sinned. So each of us need our own Yom Kippur in Yeshua. Everybody needs our own Yom Kippur in Yeshua. This is what we need. But what is your reaction to this salvation? What is your response to your own atonement. So really what I'm asking is here, Yom Kippur is a few days ago. What's next? Yom Kippur happened. And yes, Yom Kippur literally happened a few days ago, but I'm talking symbolically in your life. You have your atonement. Yeshua visited you on your road to Damascus. Whether that was 50 years ago, or whether that was 20 years ago, or whether that was like Yoel, Yoel in, in in the streets of Tel Aviv, or, or whether it was somebody else, maybe Dr. Garber in chiropractic school, wherever it was where you experienced God. You had your Damascus Road experience. Maybe it was when you were a little kid, just kind of growing up, and wherever it is, at some point. The Lord revealed himself to you, and then Yom Kippur reminds us of that atonement, that we receive that forgiveness of our sins. What's next? Because after the Damascus Road experience, when Shaul hears from Yeshua, his life changed. He purposed to be very different than before. His purpose in life changed. He sought to prove that Yeshua was the Messiah. He boldly spoke of the good news, regardless of the consequences. Is that a little taste of what you are doing? Is that a little taste of what you are doing? I ask you to think in your head. Is that kind of my mindset? Is that your attitude for that matter? I think even more important than the nuances of exactly what he does is the heart of someone who really understands the mercy they receive and seeks to do all that they could possibly do for the purposes of the Messiah who was merciful to them. Did you get that? So it's not so much that I need everybody out like with a bullhorn and in, in, in the middle of Peachtree Street. Hey, Yeshua is Ben Elohim. That, that's not my point. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying. It's, it's, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, what is your heart? Is your heart kind of like, Rabbi, Shaw? I'm not saying quit your job. and It's not the point. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying, what is what is the state of your heart after your own Yom Kippur? What's, what's next? That's what we need to examine today. Psalm 105, Psalm 105, please. What does the psalmist say in Psalm chapter 105? Mm. Wow, this is... You can see how this is like the the continuation almost of my Yom Kippur message in many ways. Psalm 105 verse one says, Praise Adonai, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell about all his wonders. Beloved, I want to tell you, that's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command. Make known the deeds of the Lord. Tell about all his wonders. When we received what we received on Yom Kippur, or in your own Yom Kippur, our response should be to tell others. Have you ever met people who just seem impassioned? (sighs) That other people need to know. It's out of a heart of love. I remember, and 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 you know there are different seasons in our lives when I think that that passion is more red hot, right? Right, Godfrey. You, you know, it's, but that's something that we should. I think in many ways, Godfrey, I think that that's part of what Yom Kippur is for, right? Is to refocus us on what's really important. That's why it says it's a perpetual holiday. Some people say, oh, it's done away with. That is so baloney. Scripture could not be more clear. It's it's forever a holiday, a holy day. And why? Well, even with the Messiah Yeshua came. Yes, all the more so with the Messiah Yeshua came. Why? Because He is our atonement. And and, and it's only with Him that judgment doesn't go bad for us. And so Every year on Yom Kippur, I think that it helps us refocus. I remember Mark. Uh, Mark knows this person well. Mark and Darren, know. Uh, I remember I was with one of our friends, and this was back in the day in Phil. I was in, with him in Philadelphia. And this is the back in the day when this guy was a young guy, you know. And and, and he's gone through it, ebbs and flows, but man, he was he was on fire for God at the time. And and I remember going to him and, with him and with a Dunkin' Donuts, and man, it seemed like every single place we went to. He's telling about Yeshua to whoever. Remember that phase—just nonstop telling about Yeshua everywhere he went. Everywhere he went. Listen, this is where Rabbi Shul was telling people. You know, well, listen. Well, some people think that you're a bit stodgy or antiquated, or well, that yeah, maybe so. But we should have the passion to do so, regardless of the consequences, to share the good news. Our response should be to tell others to share with others the good news of Messiah. Well listen, we shouldn't share Messiah because we have to anyway. We should sh- We should share about Messiah because we have the greatest gift that we've ever received. And we want for others to experience this gift so that their lives can be transformed for the better also amen see it's not out of just a simple obedience to a commandment it is obedience to a commandment but the motivation should be love the motivation should be love if you have great passion to share messiah with others it's like paul who just immediately just got up and it was like, whoa. He realized, and you know everything that had to go through Rabbi Shaul's head. You know what had to go through his head. You know he had to start thinking, the moment that Yeshua said, I am Yeshua who you are persecuting, at that very moment, you know that he probably went, oh man. And, and once he started to grasp what he had done, wow, he, he surely felt remorseful for. But then he probably thought, my goodness, how merciful is God to give me a chance considering I was directly opposing him? How merciful is God? And the moment he realized the great mercy of God, that's probably what helped motivate him to go and tell other people. Because he wants for them to experience what he knows. The great mercy of God, which is Yom Kippur, the, the, the mercy of the forgiveness of God, the atonement of God. And, and, and he knows this so well because few people have experienced it as much as he has. And so he's desperate to share it with other people. Why? Because he loves people and he, and he, he surely is like, oh man, what I did before, oh Lord, help me, help me make it right. Let me do right, God. Let me share with other people the truth of Messiah so that their lives can be transformed just like you've transformed mine. Do you see? That's the motivation, y'all. And that ought to be our motivation. Will everyone receive the message when we tell people Yeshua is the Messiah? Absolutely not. Neither did they in Shaul's day. I told you, eventually they, they started trying to kill him. Eventually, he did kill him. But many did receive the message. Many did receive the message. And the whole entire world was transformed because of his message. They say, Paul, Shaul, Paul, right? I mean, you go all over the world. And all over the world... In, in houses of worship, they've got statues of this Messianic Jewish rabbi. Kind of funny. <laughs> they've got statues of, of St. Paul. He's got the, the, the bagel. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Messianic Jewish rabbi. I remember it was Rabbi Jonathan Kahn that, that spoke one time at a rabbi's conference and was sharing with us the, that, that fact and it was like kind of eye-opening to us. It was like, wow, you're right. It's like all these vows of worship all over the South America, Europe, all they're full of messianic Jewish rabbis, just like you guys. And we were like, oh, okay, wow, I didn't think about it in those terms. Messianic Jewish rabbis have changed the world. Have changed the world. Acts 3, because beloved, our job is not to force anybody to do anything. Our job is simply, once we've received our salvation, to be bold in telling other people and in praising God. It's up to them what they do. Acts chapter 3, mm, it's a great example of this. Verse 1, I love this story regarding Peter and John. Verse one, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour at the time of prayer. A man lame from birth was being carried. Every day they used to put him at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg for a tzedakah or charity from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive tzedakah. But Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach HaNatzradi, get up and walk. Then, grabbing him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately the man's feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began walking, and he went with the men of the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Wow, my friends. The formerly lame man was not shy about his healing. How long had he been in that state? His whole life. His whole life. And, and, and when he received that, what did he do? He leapt. He leapt praising God. This man was not shy about his healing. I have a question for you today. Are you shy about your healing? What, well, what, what healing, you ask? Chavarim, we just passed Yom Kippur. It's your Yom Kippur healing from your sin? Are you shy about your healing? It may not have literally happened a couple days ago, but each of you who follow Messiah Yeshua have had your Yom Kippur, which we memorialized a couple of days ago. What will you do next? Will you sit there and be complacent? Or will you share the good news? Will you go back to business as usual or will you start leaping and praising God? (laughs) See, that's the question. What tact will you take? Are you checking a box at Yom Kippur? Is it perfunctory only? Out of obligation? Or do you have something like Rabbi Shaul in you where you just got to tell somebody? Or do you have something in you like this like this lame man who was healed and he's just leaping, praising God. They, they took him in. They, they they started investigating this guy. Said, well, what happened to you? And the, and the, the religious leaders tried to shush him up and he's like, ah, oh, nope, not going to be silent about it. See, friends, it's not that I think, as I mentioned, I, I don't think each of you it's not that you should quit your full-time jobs and go into full-time ministry. It's not the point. The point is that with the grace that you've received on Yom Kippur, there should be evidenced in your life a certain level of fervency in all of our lives. Listen, I was in the corporate world for many years as well, working for Coca-Cola, AT&T, Listen, I know what the corporate world's all about, too. But man, I tell you what, you got to serve God. you got to be not shy about serving the Holy One. So on the Shabbat that immediately follows Yom Kippur, consider making changes in your life systemically that are, are significant. That's what I'm asking for you to do today, to think about this and to examine your own actions. And and what is it that that, that keeps you up at night? Is it something that's happened on a television show? Is it sports or politics? And they have their place. There's nothing wrong with them. Or is it something having to do with Almighty God? Shaul had a lot to change. For most of you, it might be less dramatic. The point is, where is your heart today? Do you have a heart filled with gratitude and appreciation for God's atonement? Are you charged up to share the good news of Messiah? And if so, be ready. God will send people your way. Or have you simply already moved on from Yom Kippur? The title of my message is, What's next let's bow our heads Mm, thank you lord i want to ask if there's anybody here today who's never said a prayer to receive yeshua into your heart if that's you and you've never committed your life to god but you want to raise your hand we'll pray together if that's you if you've never said yes to messiah but you'd like to just lift your hand and we'll pray If you're watching online and you've never said that prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, say this simple prayer with me. Dear God, I accept Yeshua into my heart. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've sinned. Please forgive me. I believe Yeshua is risen again, sitting at your right hand. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, Lord, in Yeshua's name. See, if you said that prayer, and if you are here today or watching online, if you ever said that prayer, Then what should follow? Well, we have a couple of examples I share with you today. One was a guy who immediately begins proclaiming Yeshua is Ben Elohim, the Son of God, immediately begins proclaiming it. What does that mean? That that doesn't mean in an obnoxious way. That doesn't mean pounding somebody over the head with a Bible. It doesn't mean forcing anybody anything. It means sharing the love of God. Some of you are like, well, I don't really have anybody. Do you ever go to the grocery store? You're going to check out with somebody. Do you ever go to Walmart? you ever on, certainly, social media at all? How about just a little love of God there? It doesn't have to be dramatic like like Shaul. Everybody does their part. And also, our heart, after our atonement, after our Yom Kippur, after, should be one that we leap and praise God. We're leaping and praising God is that your heart is your heart such that you are so grateful to god for his atonement for his forgiveness thank you lord i'm so excited you're so kind and gracious to me i can't believe that you had mercy on me to forgive me considering all that i had done thank you lord what can i do for you what can i do for you oh god yes see the lord loves you and by the way i want to say this too if you haven't been, don't feel condemned. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel like, oh, I'm just such a loser or I'm a failure. That's also from Hasatan. Why? To try to have you not be transformed. Yeah, that, that, that's not the point at all. Listen, yesterday's gone. What we have is, is today moving forward. Thank you, Lord. You, your co-workers, you never know. Your family members. You never know who God will bring in your path. Sharing the good news of Messiah. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that for anybody here who's feeling any level of conviction regarding this, God, I pray you bring people into our path, even in the next week or two, in the next month. Bring people into our path that need to hear the good news of Messiah. And that includes people who are watching online or listening via podcast. I want to encourage you also, seek opportunities to share the good and the love of the Lord. And the love of the Lord. Pray with somebody's hurt and somebody tells you they're sick. Somebody tells me they got a family member sick. Say, can I pray? Can I pray for them just with you on the phone right now? Can I pray with you about that just right now, very, very briefly? You'll get shocked looks, and they'll say, uh, 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 sure, yeah, I guess, yeah. And then very shortly pray, Lord God, please help this person. Heal them. Help them in their surgery. In Yeshua's name, your name we pray. Whatever it is, you never know opportunities you'll have to reach out. God loves you. Tell somebody God loves them sincerely. Thank you, O Lord, for all of this. Thank you for Yom Kippur, Lord. We're looking forward to Sukkot. We're looking forward to dwelling with you. It's going to be great. Sukkot's going to be wonderful. Uh, And and God, the eternal Sukkot is going to be wonderful as well. I'm very excited. I'm really excited about this year's Sukkot. I think it's going to be a blessing here at the congregation as well. Dedicated to you, uh, Lord, prepare your, your children's hearts for what you have for them, this Sukkot, which I think is going to be a special time of our joy. And we ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Be blessed.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Beth family, please visit our website at www.bethhallel.org That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G Or call... If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service Friday nights at 8 o'clock or Shabbat services Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom.